0: Hi, this is Crossfire. And you are listening to a free download from
1: Delancey Elam Church.
0: They only let me out from behind the table for good behaviour. I always have to stay behind there. Um, cool. Just firstly, really want to say thank you to you as a church for, for supporting us, for bringing us to Guernsey. I know that you're obviously praying for us, but also practically you paid for us to be here. So, so just really want to thank you guys for enabling us to come. It's a pleasure and it's a privilege for us to represent the Church of Jesus to these young people. So give yourselves a little round of applause for allowing us to come. Now, I want to ask you a question. Over the last 100 years... Our continent of Europe, and I know Guernsey is a bit different because you're not part of the EU and you're not British, so I don't know what you are. you you, or whatever the phrase is. But what, over the last 100 years, has been the fastest growing religion in Europe from 1 million people to 250 million people in the last 100 years? Any guesses? That means you're allowed to speak out. Christian, I, I wish that would be the case. Islam, no. The fast oh he's right, give him a little clap. well done. the fastest growing religion, because that is a religion, it's a belief system. in Europe, over the last one hundred years, from one million to two hundred and fifty million that's a third of the population of Europe has been atheism. Just to be clear, the belief that there is no God is the fastest growing, and so often as Christians. The world that we live in, increasingly secular, we can live as if it's overwhelmingly crushing. You know, the church of Jesus is growing on every single continent apart from Europe. Ours is the odd one out. Everyone else of the six continents. I don't know how it's growing in Antarctica. I didn't know anyone lived in Antarctica. But the church of Jesus is growing everywhere else on this planet apart from here. And we can feel a bit kind of deflated at times. And Obviously, our mission is make Jesus known. And I read this verse for us this morning. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life. Has the good news changed your life? Just checking. We know it changes lives from the day you heard it. That the gospel is powerful. The gospel is effective. That the gospel of Jesus is bearing fruit all around the world. So if it's not bearing fruit where I live, it's not bearing fruit in my life, that means either the Bible's not true, or it means there's something wrong with my life. That if the Bible is God's word, if this really is God's word, and it's true that it's not a lie, the Bible says God is not a man that he doesn't lie. So if it's true that the gospel should be bearing fruit all around the world, and it's not bearing fruit in my life, oh dear Tim, that means that the challenge is with me. Because this very day on this planet, over 100,000 people will choose to say yes to Jesus for the first time. That means more than one person every second will accept Jesus. They'll hear the gospel, they'll be transformed by the power of the gospel. As they say yes to Jesus, they'll be born again and step into that reality. So as we're here for an hour and a half, that's 60 times 90, which is a lot. I don't know how many that is, 5,400 or something. Is that right? I don't know. Something like this should be some finance accountants. We're in Guernsey. You should know numbers like that. Over 5,000 people on this planet will say yes to Jesus whilst we're here. The gospel is growing. It's powerful. Now, Karis mentioned when she was with us all those years ago, and she was a faithful trooper. I have to say, she would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, load a van full of PA and bouncy castles, drive it with a trailer attached... Get out into a muddy field in rainy UK, not like sunny Guernsey, set everything up in dirty clothes, get changed, perform, share the gospel, pray with people who responded to Jesus, then pack it all down again. So it's not the glamorous life of just turning up and performing. She was an absolute trooper. But as we used to go out onto the streets of Manchester, and last week we were there with a message trust with a team of about a dozen year out young adults doing music, sharing Jesus. We saw over 40 people say yes to Jesus on the streets of Manchester and fill in a response card. Another 30 said they wanted to find out more about who Jesus was. And another 10 said, I want to find a church in Manchester. This is in the UK in 2017. People on the streets, not being invited to an event, just on their lunch break. Just go, I mean, one person said, I'm going to clear my head, go for a walk in town. I don't know why would clear your head and go into Manchester City Centre for a walk. <laughs> I'm like, you've gone the wrong way, you need to go that way, love. But people were just, they weren't expecting to encounter Christians, but God had already prepared them. That the gospel is bearing fruit in our country. I'm going to include you as being British for this morning. The gospel is bearing fruit. We just have to have eyes to see it. We need to be expectant, because that's what the Bible says is happening. Now, on Friday, it was incredible, really. As we came to Guernsey, quite a lot of people said to us, in some of our hosts even said, don't expect too much in Guernsey, don't expect too much here. You know, we had a similar thing when we went to Czech Republic about two years ago. The most atheistic country in Europe, 75% of people say they're an atheist in Czech Republic. And as we went there, they said, don't expect anything to happen. When you do a concert, you can preach the gospel, but don't do a response because no one's going to respond. I'm like, well, if you're expecting no one to respond, of course, no one's going to respond. No, we preach expecting God to move in people's hearts. We want to do a response. had a bit of a kerfuffle with them, but managed to persuade them, well, you can do a response anyway. And we did a response in Czech Republic, and about 100 young people responded. And last time we were there, this year, one of the guys on the team said, we never, ever expected a response. But since you guys came, every time we preach expecting a response. So when we come to Guernsey and people say, don't expect too much here. This is Guernsey. People are very laid back because they only drive at 20 miles an hour. (laughs) When I first followed Lisa the first day to school, I was so annoyed. I was like, why is this girl driving so slow? Uh, what's wrong with her? Is she like, can you get out of second gear? And then I realised there was a the speed of it, so I do apologise, Lisa. But people are like, they're so laid back in Guernsey. Don't expect them to respond to Jesus. They'll just kind of maybe be interested, but that's the kind of level you aim at. And we were like, no, we're expecting God to work in young people's lives. So I want to show you a short clip. After I'd preached, I got Josh to do the response, and I filmed it so that you can all see what happened on Friday night. Soon it it's got the opportunity to change your life. And what? fantastic. Do you know what? I'm so proud of you guys right now. Really, really, and I'm so excited for you. This is an amazing start of something fantastic. So that happened where you live in Guernsey, where people told me young people won't respond to Jesus. Now, I don't know what was happening in their hearts that moment. I cannot categorically say, oh yes, they've become born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb, whatever language you want to use. I don't know. God knows. But there's obviously something in their hearts that they're prepared in front of their friends to say, I want to follow Jesus. And physically to put their hands up in front of their friends and then to pray out loud. You know, it's absolute chaos. Poor old Caris. I'm like, okay, we're going to give you these response things. And she's like... I don't know what to do. We've run out. What do we do? Um, we're just kind of making this up. Just uh, wait around until we find some more paper to take your details. But people are open to Jesus. That's in your, almost said city, nation, place, island, this funny thing called Guernsey. That's where you live on, your state, that people are responding to Jesus. Don't believe the lie that people don't want to know who Jesus is. Because guess where that comes from? Straight out of the pit of hell. Young people are desperate, as Josh said. They are hungry. They want to know who Jesus is. This particular, this one young girl, she's sharing about her life, wanting to end it. I was heartbroken. I was like, you need to meet Jesus. He loves you. He says you're precious. He says you're valuable. You know, some other girls, they were broken. They were crying. We chatted with them after the concert. And it's just heartbreaking that they are desperate to meet with the King of Kings. And then we got sent this message on Facebook. I'll read out to you from one of the young people. Obviously, I won't put it on the screen because the name's on it. Starts off with a swear word, so that's always encouraging to know that it's from someone who's not from a church background, or maybe they've got a discipleship issues. I was with you guys yesterday, telling everyone that your story was incredible, you've impacted my life so much. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have known who Jesus was. But from now on, I'm changing that. I'm supporting you and Jesus all the way. Which is incredible, isn't it? All we did was jump around like a couple of wallies in school do some music, and then share Jesus at a concert. But because the gospel is powerful. We just need to realize that. We just need to believe it. We just need to know that the blood of Jesus, just one drop of the blood of Jesus, is enough to forgive everyone in Guernsey. It's enough to change every one of the 60,000 people on this island. And God is looking for his church to wake up and live in that reality. Instead of living in this Western Oh, atheism's advancing. Christianity's crumbling. We used to have some Christians in politics. We used to have good churches. Now it's all declining. No one wants to know who Jesus is. You can't even be in political life like Timothy. You can't even be a Christian anymore. It's disastrous. If you wear a cross, they're going to kill you at work. Oh, no. no. We just need to live in reality that God's at work in people's lives. We need to get out there and share the gospel. And it says in Colossians 4, verse 5, it says, Live wisely amongst those who aren't believers... And make the most of every opportunity. Now, as so we were on the streets in Manchester last week, again, I was hidden behind the decks. These other guys were performing. And Mancunian weather, it started to drizzle. The clouds were coming over. Suddenly, it went pitch black. Guys on the team and like, oh, team you know, we need to end it. It's going to rain soon. It's not good for the equipment. Not good for team morale. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just about to go on and speak at the end of these guys performing. So I've got, in the natural, people saying, let's just end it now. Let's just kill it. We just need to stop. And in my spirit, the way I feel as an evangelist, you think, oh, he's going to be going for it. I'm stood there thinking, why are you even bothering him? No one's going to listen to what you've got to say. It's going to rain. They're all going to walk off. Who are you anyway? You've got nothing to say that's of interest. You're not a good speaker. No one's going to listen to you. You're an absolute idiot. Just pack up and go home. So when you think those things and you're about to share the gospel, I know how you feel because I feel exactly the same. And as I stood there, Behind the DJ decks, and the song's coming to end, and I'm like, oh, there's no point doing it, let's just end it. And I look at one guy, and just felt God say to me, Tim, would you not even preach if there was one person here? Do you only ever preach because there's a nice crowd, and it's comfortable, because there's a couple of hundred there, and they're all enjoying it. Would you not even preach just for one guy? And when God speaks to you, you're either an idiot and ignore him, or you just have to do what you're told. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. Got up, shared the gospel, just looking at one guy, and that encouraged me, because he started to walk off because it was raining. <laughs> But I was just like I thought, I'm just going to hone in on this one guy. I was like, "Mate, are you going to let a little bit of water get in the way of you meeting with the Creator of the universe? A little bit of rain stop you from knowing God's forgiveness? Really, knowing the destiny of your life? Are you going? To, you're from Manchester. Come on, this is like a summer's day. What's a bit of rain? Fortunately, he turned around and came back, and he gave his life to Jesus, and several other people did. But you know, I had to get over myself. And step out of my comfort zone. So often as Christians, we just like, I was talking to John yesterday, we like just being nice. When I was a little kid, many years ago in Sunday school, there was a song we sang, Jesus was a nice man, doing good to all. Did you ever sing that? You missed that, it's an absolute classic. (laughs) Jesus was a nice man. That's enough. (laughs) Before everyone leaves. Oh no, that's live on video. Jesus was a nice man. And it's true. Jesus was a nice man. He was kind to people, but he wasn't just a nice bloke. And so often we think, oh, Jesus was just nice. As a Christian, I just want to be nice. Jesus was not a nice man. You read the things that he said and did. He was on fire. He was full of the Holy Spirit, not just a nice, timid Christian. But so often we think being Christian equals just being nice. It does mean you're nice. You shouldn't be bitchy and horrible. Being a Christian makes you nice, but it doesn't stop there. We have a message to share to a dying, hurting world. God doesn't want us just to be those nice people who sit back and shrink back. And it's all about taking the most of every opportunity. The inner Manchester, in Oldham, where we lived, there was an opportunity. I saw this opportunity, so we just took it. So we were on. We were on 60 double-decker buses, had these adverts, look like this, let Jesus in, bearing in mind that Oldham is 30% Muslim, oh, you can't do it, you can't do it, you might upset someone. We saw an opportunity and went for it, 300,000 leaflets through the doors, on loads of posters, billboards, people becoming Christians through it. You know, one person, they emailed us, they had this meeting with the council, they're like, get outside, it didn't go to plan, they're crying their eyes out, sat there waiting for a bus, and they're like, just say a prayer, God, do you even care? And then a bus comes past saying, God knows you. And they're like, oh my goodness. God does know me. He's even on the side of a bus. And gave their life to Jesus. Because we saw an opportunity and took it. Are you making the most of the opportunities that God gives you? He gave me an opportunity on the street. I had to take it. Every day, if you ask God to give you an opportunity with your friends, with your neighbours, with your work colleague, guess what? He'll answer that prayer and give you an opportunity. But we have to step into that opportunity. We have to be ready to go forward and share the gospel. But there is a wisdom... In how you take those opportunities. I've got three kids. My eldest is nine, Malachi. And when he was five, it was very cute. And he loved the song, Jesus, You're My Superhero. Which I'm not going to sing. But basically says Jesus, You're My Superhero. No, no, no. It just carries on. It's really annoying. But he, he loved that song. And he sang it everywhere. And one day he was walking home from school with his best mate, age five. He's singing this song in front of his mum, my wife, and his friend's mum. And as they're walking along, his little friend says to him, Malachi, would you stop singing that song? It's just really annoying. Which I could echo those sentiments. To which Malachi pins his friend against the wall and says, but I have to tell you about Jesus. I can't stop singing it. Which is not the best technique of our age. <laughs> there is a wisdom. You don't have to do the pin your friend against the wall until they listen to you share the gospel. Because the Bible is quite clear, those who win souls are wise. There is a wisdom. How do you reach your friends around you means you need supernatural wisdom. God, give me your wisdom. How am I going to share the gospel? How am I going to reach people? How am I going to win their souls? But also on the flip side, if you aim to win souls, that's the only wise thing in life. The only wise thing is to win souls. If you're doing anything else with your life as a priority, you don't have wisdom. Because the most important thing is to save souls. How many other people can you get dragged out of hell into heaven to populate heaven and plunder hell? That's the only thing that really matters in life. And so often we can get bogged down with the day-to-day grind, having to do the washing, doing this chore, going to Waitrose or what other supermarket. Oh no, there aren't any others on the Guernsey. Wherever you go and do your shopping, whatever you're doing in life, tending to your garden. But actually, the only wise thing to do is to see souls saved. But we need to ask the Holy Spirit for his wisdom. How do we see souls saved? I don't know. Just be honest. It's like I'm not seeing fruit in my life. If you're seeing hundreds of people respond to the gospel, we'll come and ask you, how do we do it? But if you're not, you need to ask the Holy Spirit wisdom. So where I live in uh, Oldham. It's quite a similar demographic to Guernsey. I live in Saddleworth, which is a very nice middle-class area full of doctors, lawyers, judges. And I've just been praying, God, give us wisdom. How do we reach these people? How do I connect with other blokes? You know, jumping around on the DJ decks works with teenagers. That doesn't work to a guy who's 35 and he's a millionaire. You know, who just think you're an absolute idiot. How do I connect with them? Give me wisdom, God. So I just started gathering a group of other blokes who were on the fringes of the church. We started meeting for breakfast, because food and blokes equals result. For breakfast, talking about... <laughs> it's true. My kids, when they're angry with the two boys, feed them. Suddenly, the anger stops. It's amazing. So we started connecting with these guys, thinking, how do we reach them? How do we connect with them? And then we decided, let's book the biggest venue where we live. The Civic Hall holds over 100 people, even though there's only like five of us. And even though there's been no outreach to people, anyone, where I live for like 15 years. There's never been an outreach to blokes for more than 40 years. Because someone who got saved 40 years ago said there's never been anything for blokes around here. Even though the church is shrinking, the biggest church is about 25, 30 Christians out of a population of 15,000 people. So this will not work. We booked the biggest venue, and we decided to put on a quiz night for blokes. But we did it interactive using iPads. See the little photo? Over 100 blokes came. Probably over 80 of them weren't Christians. I shared the gospel. We meet in pubs twice a month for beer and Bible. where you read a bit of the Bible, you have a beer. Or if you're like me, you just have a Coke. But you know, it's having wisdom. It's asking the Holy Spirit, how are we wise to reach our friends? So if your friends are all 75 females, 75 year old females, you need to think playing crossfire music is probably not going to work. <laughs> Having a men's pub quiz night is not going to work. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what do we do to reach our friends around us? You know, I guess for us at MJK, this verse, which comes from that same passage, pray for us. You know, I know you were praying for us this week, but I'd ask you, can you continue praying for us? Because actually we need God's help as we share the gospel, that we can jump around, we can make some noise, Nana can scare all the kids into making them dance, Chelsea can look pretty and sing, Josh can do a sick rap, I can press a button on the DJ decks, we can do all of that stuff, but actually, for anyone to encounter Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit to work through us. So can you pray for us? Every Christian prays. If you're not a Christian and you don't pray, equals, oh dear. Even people who aren't Christians pray. So I'd love you to pray for us. practically at the back on that tiny little table, if you give us your name and your email address, we'll send you our email updates. We won't bombard you every day, maybe once every other month, really short. This is where the team have been. This is where they're going. Please, will you pray for us? Because we need that boldness. But also, I want to challenge you to give to mission financially. You know, I used to hate talking about money because I'm British and I don't like talking about money ever. But you know what? I've been in churches where people are there and they will really go in talking about money. Oh, we need to feed the homeless, which is great. Oh, we need to do this food bank, which is great. Oh, we're doing this mums and tods thing. We need to buy some new toys, which is great. But you know what? If the wisest thing to do is to save souls, I want to challenge you this morning. Can you financially give to mission? Whether that's to us or whether that's to someone else who's doing full on actually sharing the gospel mission, not just cleaning someone's garden and hoping they'll ask you why you're a Christian, but someone who's actually sharing the gospel proactively. Because the gospel message is free. It costs nothing. It's an offer that is free, but guess what? You know it. It costs money to take it. It's expensive to take the gospel in a, in a positive way, but also doing it professionally. So I want to challenge you this morning, financially, if you have cash that you just have sat there, use some of it. Don't do it begrudgingly. The Bible says God doesn't want you to be reluctant. He wants a cheerful giver as an act of worship. I'm not just asking it for me because I don't get paid by MJK. I'm supported personally by other people. I'm asking you, can you give to mission because there's nothing more important than seeing lost souls encounter Jesus? And seeing that this week just reminded me again, there's nothing more important than that. Than seeing a life that is broken. Imagine if that young life hadn't heard the gospel and ended it this week. What a tragedy. They won't have a second chance. Or a third chance later on in life to hear the gospel. And that's repeated so often across young lives around this continent. So can you give to mission? Not just maybe to MJK. Just give to someone who's preaching the gospel and seeing people encounter Jesus. And part of what we do that you can pray for is something called iTruth app. So when people respond, we encourage them to download the app. It takes them on a series of videos looking at how do you follow Jesus? How do you share Jesus with their friends? These are some comments, obviously someone laid on Facebook, seen the video, God spoken straight to them, the one on the top left, the kids sharing it on Instagram, and actually if you type in best free app, because Google AdWords give us thousands of dollars worth of advertising free, if you type in best free app, which I just did randomly, out of 465 million results, the one that came at the top was the iTruth app, which is amazing, and there's so much power online to reach young people. That's where they're all at. 94% of teenagers go on YouTube for over an hour every day. And guess what? We can get in front of them if we spend money on YouTube to get up there on their playlist. So, would you pray for us that as we're trying to reach not just those kids who are, we're face to face with in school, but those who we are seeing through the internet, through social media? Because actually, part of what my job as an evangelist is to do quite clearly is to equip people to share the gospel. And we really want to equip a generation, I was telling John last night, a generation of young people. I don't know if you've heard the statistics that's come out and everyone's going on about that 20% of young people, 11 to 16-year-olds, say that they are active followers of Jesus. Which, as I look around this morning, clearly that's not the case. Because if 20% of Guernsey's young people were active followers of Jesus, there'd be a lot more of them actively following Jesus. Does that make sense? So I don't know these statistics, but they show that young people are open to Jesus. But the heartbreaking thing is that their friends who aren't Christians said you know what? It doesn't really matter, these active followers of Jesus, because they're exactly the same as us. There's no difference between the Christians and the non-Christians. I'm like, what? That just breaks my heart that we've become so watered down and like the world that our young people think they can be an active follower of Jesus and it makes no difference. So in the UK, if you go off those statistics, 20%, that's about 400,000 teenagers would say they are an active follower of Jesus. So over the next three years, we're not going to target even 1%. We're going to try and get 1,000 young people who we can train up, who we can equip to be on fire followers of Jesus. To so have something we call the faith gang, basically the church, to join that faith gang boot camp, to have a two, three day residential where we're really going, what is the gospel? What does it mean to a follower of Jesus? But let's practically look, how do you reach your friends? Because when you were at school and when I was at school, if I wanted to share the gospel with someone, I had to put up a NAFCU poster and hope that they maybe came to Christian Union to come and laugh at us and that they might accidentally hear the gospel. Or I could just reach my classmates or I could invite one or two of them to an event. But all the research shows if a young person shares something online about their faith, their friends will watch it. Their friends are open to them doing that. So we want to train up. If we could train up a thousand young people how do they post online the stuff that we've learned through so doing the iTruth up. How do they create content and post it? Imagine that if every one of them reached a 1,000 of their friends, which actually is not that difficult. That would be a million young people hearing the gospel because it goes viral. And we want to do that with smaller groups, so we're only going to do it with groups of 12 or so as a maximum to really invest in them. I was telling John, that's even something we should come back and do in Guernsey to try and train up some of these young people. But we want to equip a generation to be on fire for God. Now, the last 10 years since we started MJK, God's given us around about a million quid, which I am just blown away by. I never would have expected that. You know, I'm not from Guernsey where there's some tax exiles who've got 11 million pound houses. Where I'm from, it's like me and my wife. and like, that's it. We don't even have a dog. It's like, okay, God, we don't know anyone who's got money, but we know you. And if someone had told me God's going to give you a million pounds to share the gospel over a decade, I'd have laughed your head off. But even better, we've shared the gospel with around a million people. And seen loads respond to Jesus. But I'm believing in the next decade we can reach over 10 million. If we help these young people. Great what Crossfire did. But let's equip these teenagers to be reaching their friends online. Because you know we can only go to people's faces. But I want to get in people's hearts. And I want to be in front of people. And I can do that through their phone. Because everyone's got a phone. And the gospel can do that. But I also want to equip you this morning as Christians. And I know that when an evangelist... Goes to a church and share stories of what God's doing, two things tend to happen. The Christians feel really bad because we all know that we're supposed to witness, and we know that we haven't been, and we're like just feel beaten up. I'm such a terrible Christian, I haven't shared the gospel with anyone, I haven't seen five hundred people respond, I haven't preached on a stage, and they've all put their hand I'm just a terrible witness. And we think it's impossible. We think I'm the world's worst evangelist. How I can't share the gospel with anyone, I don't know how to do it. No one ever listens when I share the gospel. I'm just rubbish at it. That's what tends to happen. And I apologise when evangelists make you feel like that, because that's not our intention. But actually that word, impossible, also spells I'm possible. That I can do all things through Christ. There should be a Bible verse about that. Oh, there is. I can do all things through Christ. The impossible, the task of sharing the gospel that seems so impossible, says I'm possible. And actually, as I was on the street last week, that moment of, I don't want to share this, I don't want to do this. And then as I chose to do it, I was like, God, what am I doing? This is who I'm created to be, to share Jesus. When I'm with my friends who run businesses, and I'm sharing Jesus with them, and I change the conversation from just being chitter-chatter and talk about Jesus, actually, something in me comes alive because that's who I'm created to be. Whatever their reaction, that's the person I am. Not the quiet, timid, embarrassed Western Christian who just wants to be nice and never upset anyone. So I won't ever mention the name Jesus. I'll just let them say it as a swear word. That's not who we are. We are created to be those witnesses who have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. We are created to be those children of God who bring the gospel to a broken and hurting lost world. And for some of us, we just need to step into that reality afresh. To say, Lord, this is who I'm created to be. I'm choosing to live in that reality. Not to be the quiet Christian who just closes the curtains and hopes that everyone will come and knock on the door and say, How do I be saved? I've just felt the presence as you pray. The ground is rumbled. Actually, we are created to be those people who go and share the gospel. So practically, we're going to do something in a moment. But just before that, I want to show you this short video clip, the research that Evangelical Alliance did, which hopefully will encourage you thinking about your friends.
1: What do people outside our churches know about Jesus? Have they ever had a conversation with a practicing Christian about Jesus? Answers to questions like these could really help us share the most amazing news. The love of God for all of us through Jesus. So we asked. And here's what people, your friends and neighbours said. 57% said they're a Christian. 9% are active Christians. They regularly go to church, pray and read the Bible. Useful starting place. But what do they actually know about Jesus? 21% think he's God, while 30% think he's a spiritual leader or prophet. But only 60% think he was an actual, real, historical person. Our job here is clear. Let's make sure everyone gets to hear that Jesus actually lived and walked on earth and that he claimed he was God. How are we going to do this? Well, 67% said they know one of us, an active follower of Jesus, and we're most likely to be their family and friends. But have we ever spoken to them about Jesus? 58% of those who know us have had a conversation about Jesus with us. Now that's a great start. But what do they think about Jesus after that conversation? One in five are open to knowing and experiencing more about him. That's one in five of your friends and family members, the people you know really well, who are waiting for you to talk about Jesus with them. And we found out that talking to someone who knows Jesus was really important in helping 36% of us decide to follow Jesus for ourselves. So let's talk Jesus.
0: Okay, there's loads of statistics in there, which unless you're an accountant, kind of boggles your at 67, 32, 24, 40. But the important one is, one in five people who aren't Christians, when their friends talk to them about Jesus, wanted to know more. But you can either view negative, oh, that means I'm going to get four out of five rejections. Oh, no, I'm not going to bother. But that is like scrolling through my phone. That means that one out of five of my friends, if I talk to them about Jesus, will want to carry on the conversation. Actually talking about Jesus. It's so easy to talk about church. It's so easy to just be nice Christian. Even me and my neighbours, I can say, oh, yeah, we're praying for this thing. Oh, we're doing it. But God's been challenged. Have you actually sat down and talked with them about Jesus? Have you had that awkward moment of, I know this is a bit awkward and un-English, But I'd love to just share the most important thing in my life with you, which is Jesus. And actually, one out of five times you do that, someone will want to know more. The challenge is, are we going to do it? Are we going to step into that reality? Are we going to be brave enough? And what normally happens is, the sermon ends there, everyone says, oh yes, I know I should do this, amen, and off they go. What I want us to do this morning, is for a few minutes, we're going to turn where we sat in twos or threes, and to answer that question, who can I share Jesus with this week? And it's not a hypothetical, oh, well, you know, maybe someone at some point, somewhere, Lord, lead me to someone. Actually, name one person. We all know people who don't know Jesus. Name one person and then pray together. God gives you an opportunity. Pray together. And then you, because I'm guessing you sat near your friend, unless your friend's offended you, so you've sat on the other side of church. <laughs> I'm guessing you know the person sat next to you. So then this week, follow that up. How's it gone? I've been praying for you. Did you manage to speak to that person about Jesus? And if the person doesn't like you, and if the person comes up and says, I don't want to know anything more about Jesus, encourage a friend, well you know what, keep going, that's amazing, that's incredibly brave. But let's keep going, because there'll be someone else out there. Keep going, keep going until you find that person. Because we have the greatest message in the world. Do we believe that? That the news of the gospel is earth-shattering good news. That it changes lives. That this is the only thing that actually matters is whether you know Jesus or not. Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter how clever you are, how good looking you are, how young you are. Doesn't matter how friendly you are, how popular you are, how much money's in the bank. Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter if you enjoy your job. Nothing else matters unless you know Jesus. That's the only thing that counts on judgment day. And we know that. And someone had the guts to tell us. So I want you to be brave and do an awkward, un thing. Turn to the person next to you. How do you say it? What are you called yourself? Gerns Gurns? That sounds like a bird. Who's you seen that flock of Gurns over there? In Delancey Church. So I want you to turn to your fellow Gerns and chat to them. Who is at least that one person you can share Jesus with this week? And I don't want anyone to do the Christian thing of... Oh, the lasagna's in the oven. What do you think, are we ready in time? Or just talk about something else. You can only talk about who is that one person you want to share Jesus with this week, and then pray together. And then we'll bring it together by praying. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go. Just bring our prayers together. Jesus, we love you so much. There's no one like you. We don't know where we'd be. Well, we do know where we'd be without you. We'd be lost We'd be broken, we'd be hurting. Thank you that you've forgiven us, that you've adopted me into your family. That as we sang earlier, I am a child of God. Not because of me, but because of what you've done, because you laid your love on me, that you chose me to be part of your family. And God, we long for our friends and our family, our neighbours, our work. we long for them to know you. But Jesus, sometimes, if we're honest, it feels so impossible It can be so hard, God, to break out of just that conversation that just stays at a level and to take it deeper. Jesus, would you fill each one of us afresh with your spirit? Give us that supernatural boldness this week to share the person of Jesus with someone, at least one person this week. Jesus, give us the words to say, give us the opportunity. Would you help us out, God? You know our weaknesses. You know that how we feel. you filled us with a spirit of power and boldness, not of weakness and timidity. But you know how we feel in our flesh. Help us to live in the spirit. But also, God, would you help us by physically, practically, the conversation being easy. That the person would ask us a question and then we'd have that nudge from you of, this is your golden moment. This is the question that you've been waiting for. Go for it. And help us to just talk about you, Jesus. I don't want to just talk about church or Christianity or faith or just those kind of, I want to talk about Jesus help me to feel awkward but just to talk about you help us to step into the reality that I am a child of God that I am your son that I'm your daughter I'm here representing you as an ambassador of heaven that I've been sent by you with the greatest message the world has yet to hear that Jesus is alive, that he saves, that he sets you free, that he transforms you, that he's calling you to join his family, that he wants you to know his forgiveness, his love, his freedom, to live forever in heaven with him, that there is no fear of death, that life eternal starts when you know Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us afresh with that passion. Fill us afresh with the joy of our salvation, of knowing Jesus, that we would just have a renewed vision, a renewed vigor to share Jesus with every person we meet, because that's who you created us to be. And every other Christian feels exactly the same around the planet. They have the same feelings of fear, of worry, of intimidation, but they step out. So help us to step out this week, God, that Guernsey would not be the same again as a result of the ripple effect of this church, this family of God. Setting themselves on fire so their friends see us burn. To be on fire for you, Holy Spirit. That if Jesus turned up and spoke to my neighbor, incredible things would happen. And that's what you want to happen through me. That I am Jesus to my neighbor. The words I speak. So Jesus, come and move through us in power this week. We love you, Jesus. We're expectant to see the gospel bearing fruit that next week we're expecting to come back and be able to share testimonies. Some testimonies, you know, it might be hard, this person rejected me. But other testimonies, but you know what, my friend wants to meet up for a coffee and talk more about Jesus, and we can celebrate as a church family. So help us as we go, Holy Spirit, to operate in your strength, not in our strength. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You i know, and just encourage you, again, our stuff is at the back, but you know if you don't know Jesus... If you're sat here thinking, well, you know I don't, I'm kind of on the fringes. I'm at church. You know, Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. I would say going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac, but you haven't got one. You know what? You have to actually know the person of Jesus. And if you know that you don't know Jesus, you know that in your heart, please do come and chat to me afterwards or chat to John or one of the guys you've seen up the front or your friend you know is a Christian. Because the Bible says today is the day to get right with God. Don't put it off. Don't wait around. Because today is the day. If God's spoken to you, the phone is ringing. If I ignore the phone, that's kind of rude. If God's spoken to you this morning, listen to his call and answer it. Because the only regret you'll have is you didn't do it sooner. But the rest of us, let's go out and show the world who we represent. You know, in our country, crazy people being so passionate about what political party they're going to vote for. And how this movement's going to bring hope. You know what? We know the true hope. The hope. How much more passionate should I be about the person of Jesus? That we're the underdog. Actually, there's something about being the underdog together, fighting, standing up for the person of Jesus here in Guernsey together. So next week, practically, I want you to make space where you can ask your friend, how did it go? Even during the week, text them, ring them, how did it go? Have you managed to share Jesus with that person? I'm going to do that with Josh and I'm expecting him to do it to me. Have I spoken to my neighbor about Jesus this week? And encourage each other and keep praying for each other. But thank you for having us, and God bless you,
2: thank you so amen thanks so much that was That was awesome uh, something we really need to hear I thought that was fantastic. thank you for for sharing that Tim just to say I just raised my heart, but if, if, if you want to support, I'm, they would mention it, but i 'm going to mention it, but if you'd like to support them, I know they've got stuff at the back, and uh, you know I've known them for a few years, but 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 I know what you support is some genuine. I've been around a lot of various evangelists over the years, uh, but I know these guys are the real deal, and uh, they're right out there in the front line, reaching, right in the in the reaching people that are not normally going to hear the gospel. So if you want to support them, if that's in your heart to do, then another stuff on the back. And I know you'd be really sowing into you know sowing into fruitful a fruitful field. And I know you're sowing into a real great fruitful field there. If you in your heart, you want to do that. Amen. Let's, let's just close. We're going to have a song as we close. And we're going to, again, take our tithes and offerings as we close. But let's just take into our heart what we've heard. It's so easy to just be hearers of the word. Well, let's this week be a real doer of the word. Let's really take it to our heart to say, God, this week, we're going to really, not just hear what we've heard, but we're going to really put it to action. Let's break through the barriers. Let's break through the walls, intimidation, those sort of things. And let's really take into what we've heard today. Okay, have a great week. Please stay around. We've got various fresh ones of things. Enjoy that with us. God bless you. Thank you for listening
1: to this free
0: download from the Lancelot Church. For more download information or contact us, please visit our website, thelacceladam.com.au.uk.